First, though, as we said, the draft is here. It will start tomorrow at 5.50. We're going to be covering it here on the little ticket in that way that we do. Um, Let's see. Out at the Pepsi compound, we're going to have George and Todd Archer of the Morning News holding things down there. Here in the mothership will be the Sterminator and myself. And, of course, anchoring the whole thing live from New York is Norm. As usual. As usual. How many years in a row has Norm been to New York? Probably sat in the exact same spot, done the draft for a couple of days, just had the big board with him. It is truly Norm's baby. He lives for these couple of days. It means a lot to him. He studies his ass off. Nobody nobody prepares more for an event in the sports world than this guy does for the draft. And And nobody enjoys going up to New York to experience it more than he does. And nobody enjoys anchoring the whole thing and... Just doing the things that he does on the draft. This is his time of year. Yeah, I mean, he's in charge. He basically... He commandeers the radio station. He does. He's a tyrant. Everybody defers to him, yes, and he is a tyrant. Yeah, when he can't be bothered with other stuff. Like breaks. The days leading up to it. And tickers and right. can we, anything uh, that doesn't involve his voice. Can we please get rid of the ticker coming up here? It doesn't matter if, if Aikman and Stallback got married to each other. Can we just go on? Is Cowboys going to pick here and then just any minute now? Can you just get rid of the draft? We'll discuss the impending nuptials of <laughs> Troy and Roger later. <laughs> you come up with the weirdest stuff. So anyway, um, we were laughing last week. I don't know. I think Bob may have brought it up. Like, uh, what if Norm's New York trip got canceled or something like that? He would explode. He would. He would explode. So I thought, man, it'd be really funny if, if our boss called Jeff and said, I don't think Norm would um, would buy that for whatever reason the, the trip got screwed up and, you know, we bought you a plane ticket to Afghanistan instead or something like that, you know. So we thought that it would be funny if Jeff Catlin called him, our boss, and said, look, We've had a massive screw-up. I don't know how it happened. A paperwork snafu. We didn't get our paperwork sent in in time. And essentially, you're not going to be able to broadcast from the draft in New York. Oh, no. But you will be able to broadcast from a bar across the street. (laughs) At McGillicuddy's Pub across the street. Exactly. Full of Irish cops. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe even a dead one on the pool table. Yeah. <laughs> so, Jeff said, like the son of a bitch that he is, sure, great idea, I'll do it tomorrow. I talked to him on um, Monday night, I think it was. We None of us have heard this, right? No. I have not heard it yet, but we came into I came into work yesterday, and Jeff gave me the thumbs up, and he said, hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> So let's listen to Jeff Catlin calling Norm and telling him that the New York plans are not as they once seemed. So sorry. Hello. Hey, Norm. It's Cat. Cat, how are you? Doing fine. Hey, you got a minute? Yeah, sure. No problem. I need to. Uh, I need to talk to you about the draft. Um, about the draft this weekend? Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, well, it's your call because I needed to talk to you about something too. Oh no. Okay. Um, if it's okay, let me just, for a minute, we'll take a minute here, and then we'll go on to whatever you need, okay? <laughs> um, Kent, 
Bob does a fantastic job on the draft, and even though Mike's a curmudgeon at times, Mike is really good, and he makes wonderful points. But okay. um, what's Corby doing on this on this draft? That's my question. Pause it. Time out. Okay. All right. Did we get double crossed? We did. He that, didn't do this, did he? No, he didn't. He set up Norm. Did you know this? No, I had no did idea. You? No idea. Did you? I'm hearing this for the first time. One of the people responsible for this is on G1. Let's listen to the rest of this first. I thought very, hang on, hang on. Swear I'm, to God. You didn't know. Swear to God. No idea. I, I, I'm pissed right now. Because this isn't funny. Well, no, it's obvious. Well, let's listen to it. Let's, let's finish let's listening. Let them to have it. their little jokes. Go ahead. Well, I, I do like him, but he's Caddy's all about Oklahoma, and we're discussing Gerald McCoy, you know, for two hours after um, after he's drafted, and then then we got to wait for the next OU player, you know. We'll talk Bradford and talk Gresham, and then then we got to wait. We got to talk about the cornerback Dominique Franks, and um, he's pretty much all about Oklahoma. See, I thought I don't know. I, Bradford's going to be the top pick, but I thought Corby was pretty good on college football. Well, he's really good on Oklahoma, and, <laughs> and he'll, he'll probably toss in a bunch of TCU too. But that's I mean that's pretty much that's pretty much where it ends. So, what are you saying? You want me to? You don't want him to be on there on Friday, or what? Well, it's already done now, so we'll we'll tolerate it for another year. But just put that in the back of your so your hat. And as you listen to it this year, just watch for that. Okay. Okay. I I'm, you know I don't want to be terribly critical, but you know we pour so much effort into this, so much effort into it, and guys are everywhere. And you know, I love Corby, but. Um, you know, you can only hear so much Oklahoma football, you know? <laughs> You're not serious, are you, Norm? No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Corby, I love you. I'm looking forward to working with you, pal. <laughs> and by the way, don't try to use Cat to prank me anymore. <laughs> so what happened? I don't know, S. Ding dong on the phone. <laughs> what happened, Jack Wad? Oh my God, I'm cracking up. <laughs> this, of course, the Catman of the Americas, who has turned the thing around here. Well, not exactly. I have to give credit where credit is due. I didn't really think anything. Up. Well, let me back up. So Corby gave me the idea, and I thought it was a genius idea. I always feel bad about pranking anybody, whether it's Norm or Mike or whoever, but it's always for the better men of the show. So I just do it. So I told I, Norm wasn't here on Tuesday, and I had to call him on the phone. So I called him on the phone and had everything set up. And he said, "Hey, look, I'm finishing up a call. Will you call me back in a couple minutes?" And I said, "Yes." So I waited, and I called him back in about two minutes, and he didn't answer. I got his voicemail, and so I waited a couple more minutes, and I called him back again and didn't get him. And so that kind of made me wonder. And I called him back the third time, and that's when he answered, and you heard what happened there. So I think Norm had the idea of what was going to happen. And once I figured out what was happening, of course I'm going to let it roll. Bull because I uh-uh. have the opportunity 
to double-cross the snake who's pranked Norm at least three times. Yeah, probably more. Probably more. But I know I was involved in the paper one and then the one, I forgot what the other one was. But anyway, so yes, I let Norm go and off and have his fun, and I started cracking up thinking about it. So when you came by my office yesterday and I gave you the big thumbs up, I just was excited that you were going to you were going to be the one who went hook, line, and sinker thinking that we had something here. <laughs> you set him up. Admit it. You set him up. <sighs> Admit it. Set, you set him up. I don't buy for one second that he just launched into that tirade as a joke, not knowing what you said when you said, I need to talk about the draft. I did not set him up. You are a liar. I did not. You're lying, Jeff, and you know it. You are the biggest liar. Oh, listen to him. He knows he's lying. (laughs) Listen, I haven't said anything. Uh You are such a liar. Dude, (laughs) Norm would not come up with that on his own, thinking he's being recorded. I didn't say. I love you, Kirby. I didn't say that he came up with it on his own. I said, I did not set him up. Who set him up? I don't know, but I did not. So, whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on, hang on. This doesn't make any sense. Hang on. Who knew, besides you and me and Danny and Mike and Grooves, that this was going to take place? Did you tell Bassick? No, I didn't tell Bassick. Who did you tell? Well, I told a couple other people that, that I work with up here. Who did you yeah, tell? Norm. No, I didn't. No, it wasn't Norm. I'm not going to out those guys on the air. So someone told Norm. Possibly. But let's not let that get in the way of a good prank on Corby. Well, it's not because it took 11 seconds before we stopped the tape and said, all right, we've been double crossed. As far as I can tell, we're still on the radio talking about it. It's pretty funny. <sighs> It'd have been funnier if we could have just pranked Norm like originally planned. <laughs> I think y'all have your feelings hurt because Norm finally wised up to the fact that when I'm calling him one day before he leaves New York, he gets the gist of what's going on. No, he didn't. What's Mike giggling about? He's not. He's mad at you. Okay. Yeah, I'm mad at you. Yeah, I know. I can tell. All right. While we have you on the air, air, would you like to make an announcement? Nope. You sure? No news? Nope. You sure? Of course. Do you have a boyfriend? (laughs) (laughs) I have a flask in my car if any of you would like to join me for an after-dinner drink. Get off the phone before I kick your ass all over the place. (laughs) Jerk. Get your ass hung up on now, you idiot. It would have been so much better if we could have just done Done the prank normal. Yes. But Cat lost his balls. He did. And didn't want to do it. He did. All right, Norm, look, the guys want to prank you. I'm going to call you back, and then you do this, and... What a liar. <laughs> Before you get into the draft, I just got to tell you one thing. Uh-huh. Mike's a curmudgeon. <laughs> Mike's a that. curmudgeon. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Norm, I give you credit. You you handled yourself well. Jeff? Yes, indeed. <laughs> die. <laughs> die. Just die. Die! That's that's middle <sighs> management once again ruining Boy, good that, radio fun. That is middle management. He was your producer, too. Don't bring me into this. Oh, you're all over this. Why? I'm mad at you now, Why? too. Yeah, Because you blame, hired him. We blame you for him. Right. So in, in the last two days, you're responsible for the funky chicken. <laughs> what was the other one last night that we blamed on him? It was a him? band, wasn't it? The blues. Yeah, the blues. <laughs> <laughs> and cat. Son of a bitch. Mike, the funky chicken, the blues, and cat. <laughs> So I'm responsible for something every day this week so far. Yes, you are. Yes. I don't want to be responsible for Cat. Too late. (sighs) Damn it. You should have thought of that 15 years ago. I sure should have. 
All right, 5.30. Why didn't we listen to that? I always listen to that stuff, too. I don't know. I didn't either. I honestly didn't. What were we thinking? Because we wanted to be surprised yeah. on the air. I'm so pissed. Ah, oh, come on. Let's not let things stand in the way of a good prank. It well, if it was a good prank, then okay. Yeah. It was a good prank. The ticket. We had the bright idea to take a look at the 1989 NFL draft for our game of the day in anticipation of the 2020 draft that's coming up here um, in a couple of days. Dude, I got to tell you, I had I have no memory of this draft outside of you know the obvious, which is who was selected in the first five picks and yeah. how four of the five are Hall of Famers, but. <laughs> This is this was absolute gold. This may have been my favorite of all of these lookbacks. Oh, good. This was hilarious. Yeah. On like a thousand different fronts. Uh, it starts off with the fact that I guess this was Saturday. Yeah, Saturday morning even. Like yeah. The Saturday at noon. Right. The NFL draft used to be nothing. So ESPN comes on the air. Chris Berman is your host at the age of 33 or 4. Something like that? That's what Danny seemed to really enjoy, was the ages of... Dude, yes. Mind-blowing. Could not believe it. I did get a little confused on my math, but I corrected it when so, I was texting you guys about it today. So Berman's on set with uh, Tom Jackson and Joe Theismann. And... Bob Lee. Yes. Bob Lee is there. You've got field reporters like Andrea Andrew Kramer, Kramer and uh, uh, Chris... Uh, uh, Kevin Kiley, I think, was... Uh, out in Los Angeles somewhere. Yeah. I mean, who was Chris, uh, Chris Myers. Chris Myers, yep. yeah. They A very had, young Chris Myers. Yes. They had... Um, we were all so young. They had people in Vegas. They had you know, they had people everywhere, but Al Bernstein was one of the reporters. Don't forget about Pete Axthelm. Oh, yeah, and, and Pete Axthelm. Bino Cook. Yeah. <laughs> they got Bino up there talking to Jets fans. I thought it was really strange when Axthelm came on screen... And I'd already been doing the ages of everybody else, and they're all like late twenties to mid thirties. I'm like, gosh, this guy looks like sixty five. Yeah, no, forty five. I man, in nineen eighty nine, and then died two years later. How did he die? Death, definitely death. Mm-hmm. I, it's so weird though. Every time we watch an old game, we see somebody who looks ancient. And they're forty-four years old. I know every time or thirty-seven. Why is like, that? Why did why did normal age people look so ancient back then? And uh, it's not just because we were young. Because now we're old, and now we look at them and we're like, "What's the matter with you, man?" Anyway, uh, so yes, the nineteen eighty-nine draft means uh, a lot to any football fan. Very, very historic, and yet you can see the broadcast is so weird and so uh such a small deal the nfl draft was not a three-day primetime event corby it was one that uh they just kind of jammed into one saturday afternoon as i recall maybe was even the second day on sunday even televised back then no way i, I don't i don't think it was no way and so it's they- come this far now the interesting thing is kuiper's been there the whole way so I've definitely become a little bit uh, over the years. I've lost use for Kuiper, but you have to respect the grind, man. No hundred <laughs> percent. He seemed a lot more likable in his twenties than he does now. It's just, I mean, I when, agree. You, when you consider that 
I was probably in junior high when Kuiper started doing draft coverage. Uh, respect, you know, and uh, he's stayed there the whole time. I don't have any idea what – I don't know. It's, 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 it's a long haul for him and Berman and TJ and Theismann and the whole gang. But There's this, no pregame show. No. They pop on the air, and within three and a half minutes, Troy Aikman is selected. Yeah, so tell me – Officially. Tell me your memories of that. I assume this must be one of those deals where a week or several days ahead of time, Aikman and the Cowboys get their deal done before the draft even happens. Yeah. So there's zero mystery that it's going to be Aikman. He's already signed his contract. Right. It's done. Is that what you remember? Yeah. It's a done deal. And you have to remember, too, this was, you know, you're months away from Landry getting his head lopped off. Here, let me play this piece of audio that won't even be part of this draft, but I just want to tell you how young Bob handled things. So I was, uh, I was, um, you know, recording games back then because I've always been a dork. And um, back then the Packers were really bad, but I wasn't really sure of it because I didn't know anything. <laughs> any, I didn't know any other way. But I do remember the year that they were about to get the number one pick uh, of the draft because uh, that was a big deal and everybody talked about Troy Aikman back then and what you know what Troy Aikman might be like as the new quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys or the Green Bay Packers. Hard to imagine a time when the Cowboys and the Packers were picking one and two respectively. Well, it definitely happened, and man, what a scene! So uh, I was too young and stupid to understand this at the time. Okay, so I want you to know when the Packers were two and twelve in 1988 and then they finished the season with two wins I was pretty happy <laughs> it took probably five or six years and with each Cowboys Super Bowl win I realized uh in retrospect that was flawed thinking how horrible it was that the Packers went on a run to go from two and twelve to four and twelve to end nineteen eighty eight with that big upset in Phoenix. The big upset in Phoenix. The, the, the preceded term upset in Phoenix when speaking of Green Bay is weird. I know. Preceded though by the big upset at Lambeau against the Minnesota Vikings to complete the season sweep. Where all I could think about is we might suck, but we just took two off the Vikings, our hated rival. That's awesome. Not realizing that we went from the number one pick in Troy Aikman to the number two pick in Tony Mandrich. Didn't even care because Tony Mandrich is going to be awesome. <laughs> so, I mean. so I went back like 10 years ago or 15 years ago, and I uh, was looking at old tapes in 1988 of this Packers-Vikings game, the 2-12 and 12 Packers, and here is the open, and I just think this kind of sets the stage for the 89 draft. Green Bay fans are suffering through their team's worst season since 1958. The Packers' bumbling offense has them on a seven-game losing streak that gives them the distinction of being the last-place team in the NFL. But perhaps the only payoff for the Packers' plunge will be winning first prize in the draft, UCLA quarterback Troy Aikman. Okay, so think about that. This is December. They're so confident Troy Aikman's the number one pick that we can put it in an open and not even say, possibly Troy Aikman. They're saying the number one pick, Troy Aikman. Like, of course, in a in a draft with that many future Hall of Famers, 
The number one pick Crazy, is not dude. even a question. And now, as long as this 2-12 and 12 team does not go on a two-game win streak, they will get Troy Aikman in Green Bay. Instead, as you know, he ended up in what Dallas. What a buzzkill. <laughs> but as a 16-year-old, or I, yeah, 16-year-old, I... It never occurred to me that we might want Troy Aikman because we were going to be fine. We won two games to end the season. We're now red hot Corby heading into 1989. God, man. <laughs> so that I've always thought about that. And of course the comedy of even, you know, talking to Troy about that, that run up and his fear of playing in green Bay, you know, cause that's not where he wanted to go as a uh, Southern kid. Doesn't want to go play for a franchise that's awful, that plays in northern Wisconsin in the cold and has been awful for many, many, many years. And then the whole Aikman, what if he was there and Favre, uh, where would oh, Favre yeah. have been? And just all, you know, would Aikman the have butterfly effect, Yeah, man. of course. It, 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 so this draft changes the entire NFL. And for people that don't know it by heart, uh, Corby uh, doesn't need help with this at all, but, uh, you know, for all the people that don't know the top five picks, Troy Aikman to Dallas at number one. Tony Mandrich to Green Bay at number two. Barry Sanders to Detroit at number three. So that ended up being kind of the... What running back did you guys have in 89? Vince Workman, maybe, or Brent Fullwood. It wasn't Barry Sanders, oh, and that and that no. was and that was the one we talked about for years before the Aikman thing was. Well, you were never going to get Aikman. Dallas was going to take him. How do we pass on Barry Sanders? <laughs> <laughs> to me, my favorite running back of all time. Oh and, God! And, and then and then at pick four is a guy with 126 career sacks, Derek Thomas. He was pretty from good Alabama, too. who was amazing, went right to the Hall of Fame, and still holds, I believe, the single-game sack record with like eight. I think he had an eight-sack game or seven-and-a-half, something like that. And then at pick number five, you might have heard of him, Deion Sanders to Atlanta. And you went with Mandarich. So five, just imagine the odds. You pick two second, and there will be four Hall of Famers picked in the top five. What are the odds that you can avoid all four Hall of Famers? (laughs) You know, one in five. (laughs) Very, very difficult to avoid the four Hall of Famers in the top five. So it was awesome to hear uh, these guys talk about Troy Aikman, and they immediately, when he was selected, they threw it to Joe Theismann, who's sitting there on set with Tom Jackson. And so here is the Joe Theismann issue with Troy Aikman. I think you know these fellas, Tom Jackson and Joe Theismann. Uh, Joe, I'm going to start with you because you're the QB. You've said publicly you don't think Dallas should have made this move. Have you changed your stance? I, no, I haven't. I think that I think that Dallas could have made a better move trading this draft choice. I think they filled the need with Troy Aikman. And since the, uh, the rule has been passed to only allow 80 players by June 1st, you have to take guys in a situation where they're going to have the ability to help your football team today, not in the future. This kid, being signed as early as he has, will have a chance to go through camp, and I think Troy Aikman will be the starting quarterback. I still believe they could have gotten more help if they'd have traded this pick, but it's good for the Cowboys. Tommy, the Cowboys, what do you think? Yeah, it's it's good for them. They should have traded down. They could have uh, grabbed Mandrich and who knows who else. I feel like that, that Joe Theismann was so barely removed from his playing days and mm-hmm. remember this was in the 
the hotbed of cowboy redskins. I mean, oh, there was yeah. a 15-year period where it was nothing but hate. Yeah, oh, you, yeah, you probably didn't have to nudge him too much to be critical of Dallas. Yes, exactly. That's right. all I saw when I heard that. I'm like, dude, he still has it in for Dallas. Yeah. You know, and I, I whatever. He's, Troy was the obvious number one pick from, again, that December before. And that's something. Yes. Was this the birth of the, the union of uh, Boomer and Tommy? Man, I don't think I think they go back even a little further. But Tom, really? Jack, I, I'm trying to think when Tom Jackson retired. It can't be that far removed from that. He was on Orange Crush, uh, so 77 or 77, 78. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe he was out of the game for a little while. He looked old too. So Chris Myers like was <laughs> right. Chris Myers was a young dude. He was in his 20s or early 30s, mm-hmm. and he was in Dallas. And when the pick was made, and also in Dallas, were Jerry and Jimmy. Yes. Right off the the, the Arkansas bus. And the broadcast has barely begun. Like, yeah. if, if they went on at noon, we've made the pick and we've thrown it out to Valley Ranch by 12.07. Yes. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. I didn't really see any, in the hour that I watched, I didn't see any team but one really go to the wire. No. No. You're right. They, boy. Norm would love this draft. Picks were going fast, man. Although he'd be in break during picks, and he'd be mad about that. So there's Jerry and Jimmy. Who standing was it that went to the to wire that they almost thought they passed? Uh, was it Minnesota? Was it Minnesota or I'm Miami? Or trying to remember it? because they were taken on this broadcast with this Jim McMahon to San Diego trip. Oh yeah, like that was that, it. Like that, that was the. Hot I think story. it was the Chargers then, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, that's right. So Jimmy and Jerry are standing next to each other again. They are brand new. Okay, yep. and listen to Chris Best Myers. Friend. Yeah, and literally it's described in this. And I love everything about this, and I especially love the way Jerry sounds. We're talking about Troy Aikman and making it official today, and there really was never any doubt, Coach Jimmy Johnson with us, that you were going to make him your choice. Well, there was no question in our mind for the simple reason, you know, we've known Troy for a long, long time. He's a, he's a class individual. I think he's a very talented uh, individual. And, and we looked at the long range. We looked at the future of the Dallas Cowboys and what player is going to have the greatest impact for a long time and we really feel like that uh, this year Troy Aikman without question in our mind uh, was the player that we needed and the player that uh, could have such a positive in- influence on our uh, club. Now there was talk of trade San Diego Kansas City uh, interested New England we hear offered their top three selections this year and the number one pick in 1990 you did listen to those trade offers that has to help <laughs> a little bit. Well we did listen uh, but that's all we did. Uh, we uh, we felt like that it would be to our benefit to, to find out what some of the clubs were willing to give up but you know really we didn't waver. Uh, we knew that Troy was our guy and and thanks to uh, our owner, Jerry Jones, who I think has done a fantastic job with the organization, uh, he was able to not only draft him number one, but he was able to go out and sign him. The Cowboys' new owner and your good friend is with us. And the- It's all so weird. Good yeah. friend. The fact that Jerry hadn't spoken yet is insane. No, I know. There but hasn't been a game yet. I just love what Jerry's been able to do here with the franchise. And let's go to your good friend over here. And <laughs> How's this going to work with two friends running a football franchise? Yeah. He was able to go out and sign him. The Cowboys' new owner and your good friend is with us. And they're kind of like uh, striking it rich in the oil fields. I get Aikman right off the bat. Well, Tom, you know we're thrilled to have him on our club our fans uh deserve just sounds like a little bit different jerry you know maybe he's got a cold and by the way he's like 44 right i oh know my God. yes <laughs> he might not even be that old right no i think 42? he's like two no i think 46? he's like 46 or something oh, is he? Okay, yeah. i think we looked okay. that up once okay 
the Troy Eggmans if we can get them and have a chance to do yeah. it. And we knew we wanted him bad. Uh, the only <laughs> one that wanted uh, it worse than we did was Troy. He wanted to be a Dallas Cowboy as well. We were and inseparable. When two people uh, want each other that bad, then you can get together real quick. And we're going to have him out here practicing just as quick as we can. How ex how soon, how quickly would you expect him to start for this football team? Well, that's, uh, he's got competition, and a lot of competition, and he's going to have to make our club. <laughs> he's going yes, to, to have, have to, to make, make our, our club. club. Boy, what would the story be if you took him first overall and then cut him? And gave him a 10-year, <laughs> $11 million deal or whatever it was. He's got competition. Boy and a lot of competition, and he's going to have to make our club. And uh, Coach Johnson will, I'm sure, be able to evaluate that as we go. But uh, he's the quality of player that our fans are going to see for many, many years to come. And by the way, this uh, interview was brought to you by Cigarettes and Helium. <laughs> Boy! <laughs> Only the finest cigarettes and helium. God, man. Oh, this is great. The ticket. Get ready for an all-new Hardline segment. It's time to step into the snake pit. And now, with something completely over the top, the host and star of the snake pit, Snake. Yeah! Here he is. Snake. Thank you very much. So I've been sitting on this one for a while. A lot of snake pity things that uh, you sit on and wait for the moment to uh, to strike. And that happened yesterday, and we started talking about this, and I thought, oh, yeah, I've got this. I need to do it now. And it involves something that has always driven me crazy. I hate the phrasing. I always have. Even as a little kid, it creeped me out. And look, I don't know what, the, what you should say instead of this. <laughs> I can think of a bunch. <laughs> but I hate the term... Make love. Oh, yeah. That is creepy. And I hate the term... And confusing. ...when it's used in a song. It seems like such a 70s thing, doesn't it? Okay, I'm going to ask you guys a dead serious question. Have you ever legitimately, without trying to get a rise out of someone or make them laugh, have you ever <laughs> used that term... In conversation. In context of the actual act? In, yes. In reference Again, to that? without trying to make someone laugh or get a rise out of them. How about a... So, like, you're at uh, at Wendy's with your friend uh -huh. Kyle, uh -huh. and you go, yeah, so, you know, me and Susan were making love last night, and uh, yeah. heard this weird noise outside. Right. No! <laughs> Where have, we, have you ever used that terminology while uh, pitching the idea to a certain someone? No! No! <laughs> Would you like to make love? Yeah. No! It's it's gross. It's stupid. It, yeah. It's it's anybody with half a brain is gonna laugh at you. So why is it a term? That. What 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 happened to society when we thought that make love <laughs> was okay? Like I I mean, again. There are things that you realize as a very young human being when you're on this planet, and you're like, what, what? And yeah. I remember hearing this. Didn't it, it, it's grossed me out since I was a kid. Yes. That, same. No doubt. It's like watching movies with people kissing in front of your parents. You get that same feeling. Yeah, it's all oogie. Ugh. It, 
and make love. And I think oh. it was something that, yeah, I kind of. You think they were trying to improve upon making Whoopi? Dude, so make Whoopi was like a game show. Yeah, thing. the newlywed game. Yeah, that's, that's how they referred to that. Which is even dumber, right? But if it, you had to pick between the two, those are your only two choices. Yes, but at least making Whoopi, <laughs> it's meant for comedy. It is. That's a comedy uh, term. All right, like fair. a Whoopi cushion. Yeah. Right. Like they're they were trying to make you laugh because they knew that making love <laughs> is the dumbest thing ever, and it's like so, it's so, smoking jacket. Ascot. Yes, it's very sleazy, greasy 70s. Yeah. A lot of hair and oil. So when I was... <laughs> and when, robes. Lots oh, of robes. So many robes. <laughs> yes. Will you walk in? Tons of robes. Cindy, would you care to make love? Make love? No! I would run out <laughs> of the house so fast! That's why the lovas on SNL were so funny, because they made fun of that. That yeah, whole that? scene. Yes. You know? <laughs> would you like to make love near Hearth's Edge and fill our belly? Bellies full of goose meat. Make it's one of the greatest skits ever. Love. We were making love. So, Yuck. Yeah, is that, is that like 1800s Victorian? Dude, I don't know. But I, somehow, it, 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 this was not something I don't think that people said in like the... 30s, 40s, and 50s. I think it, it like made a massive comeback in the 70s, and people started. I think so. Yeah, I think Benjamin Franklin probably used that term. <laughs> right. It made a massive comeback to people whose living rooms were sunken by two feet. So the worst for me, yeah, exactly. The worst for me was when it was used in song, and I would be like, oh. You'd hear it in the car or something. You're like, no, no, no. Now, granted, I'm being a complete hypocrite here. But there are a few exceptions. So I'm going to play the ones that I deem acceptable. Oh. Okay? That I really never even thought about. Um, but it definitely it's there. And I noticed it, but I didn't mind it. Of course, this is number one uh, make love song lyric that I don't mind. Some reason, well, you, they get the Rolling Stones free pass with you anyway. Is it, so. But I mean, do you ever think of that? Did you ever think of that as like, oh no, Mick? Well, it's not really a romantic feeling song. That's it's the a key. rock and roll tune. That's you know? the key. The key is you can't have it be a make love sounding song. If you throw it in there, then in in the context of some semi upbeat rock tune, it's okay. I again. I may be being hypocritical here. Here's another example of one that I didn't mind. Oh, 
like I could sing along. That's Simon and Garfunkel, for those who don't know. It bothers me a little bit. It does? The way they use it. Very borderline. Afternoon. Making love in the That's afternoon. such a 70s thing to do. It is. Would you like to make love this afternoon? No, I want to make love at 3 a.m. and pass out. <laughs> I don't want the 2 p.m. making love. Yeah, when you're done, now i got to go back to work or run to Sam's Club. Oh. <laughs> right, right. i got things to do. Right. Uh, now, when I was a kid and my buddy owned this record, this vinyl record, and we would listen. His older brother owned it. And... Uh, I never liked the band, but I always thought this song was kick-ass. And this was at a time when I was acutely aware of the term making love. This whole song was about it. But, dude, this is a rock and roll song. This is Kiss with making love. Is that as loud as it goes? All night long? Yeah, really? That's a lot to ask for, right? A lot of drugs needed in that. This was before the blue pill. Paul Stanley's going all night long. The ones that, those are the ones that I say are okay. The ones that I cannot stand, that creep me out to no end, there are several. Okay. Let's start with one in the 90s, where I wasn't really aware of this band very much, but you couldn't avoid this song, and I think this is the biggest hit this band ever had. Close your eyes, make a wish. This is Boys to Men. This was number one for 14 weeks on the Billboard charts. Which is so passionate. And look, the community is very guilty of working and making love way too much into their stupid lyrics. Here he goes. What a beating song. Oh, I would like to puncture you at a rapid pace. They should have gone with that lyric. <laughs> I will puncture you no. at a rapid pace. <laughs> I don't think it would have had the same staying power, if you will. So that song's gross. This song is borderline, but I couldn't stand it because of the damn chorus. Baby, when I think about you. I grew to hate this song. Same. Do you give this a make love pass? No. And by grew to it almost hate gets it. a it almost gets a baseline pass though because that's pretty great. If I grew to hate it, it was instantaneous with me. <laughs> and I think it was the terminology that was just yeah. too uncomfortable and gross. Because he feels like making love. Meaning, you know... Yeah, no kidding, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, this just... 
smells of Camaro, doesn't it? Oh, God. <laughs> a red one. He feels like making love. Good for him. And he feels like making love to you. <laughs> All right. To me? Yes. Slow down, Get away speed from racer. Me. Get away from me, Paul Rogers, you creep. <laughs> Yes, you don't know who the you is. Uh-uh. It could be you. <laughs> so in 1984, I was so fired up because this song was, for me, it may be the best song of the 80s. Oh, God. This is Don Henley with Boys of Summer. Such a great song. I absolutely still love this song. And it, it like makes me emotional you know like it's incredible so this song was on the radio you couldn't avoid it and so me i'm like i want to go buy the tape uh-huh. i don't think i see i had cds yet no. so i go buy the cassette tape and i'm fired up and the first song of course is boys of summer and i'm like bro the whole album is gonna kick so much ass right yeah well the second Song. The, I, I mean, you're fired up. The second song is You Can't Make Love. And listen to how 80s awful this is. So many bands fell into that production trap. Oh. Sounds like Bruce is about to start here. I know. He fell into it, too. Friend of the station. Friend of the show. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely he is. Even he fell victim, Corby. I could not believe the second song was about making love, (laughs) and he had to talk about it. Uh, Yeah, don't talk about it. This one, this is the first concert I ever saw, and so... This is their whole bit. Dude, that's all these guys care about. Yeah, those Aussies like to smash. And listen to how into this they are. This is building. It's, he's he's pleading. Yeah, he is. You don't. Now listen to the making love backup singers. It's such a used a real piano. It's about the crank. They got to use some Roland DX ninety or something. So so awful. Well. The king of... I know exactly what it is, and I'm not going to spoil it. The biggest letdown ever from a band that I thought was so kick-ass. This entire album bummed me out so much when I went and bought it. Boy. Because this was sight unseen. How are they going to follow up the last one? Yeah. And I can't wait. Are we all on the same page here? This came out. 
<laughs> yes, I actually have it up. It's the first line. Yeah. When you make love, oh, no! <laughs> you are Def Leppard. You're Def Leppard. You don't make love, and you don't sing about it. Oh. You make love. I'm like, I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. I'm done. I know that that was... That's so awesome. That was the soundtrack for strip clubs across the Metroplex in whenever it was, 1987. But, man, I hated that album so much. <laughs> that was not Rock of Ages or Let It Go or Bring It On The Heartbreak no. or any of that, man. No, it was the antithesis of it. It was terrible. This is the band that did Photograph. Right. Not... <laughs> Freaking weenies. Hey, Cartman, how you doing? <laughs> That's what he sounds like. He does. He does it so bad. And Wesley, do you, when you make love, do you look him in the eyes? Yeah. Gross. I know. It's all gross. You are deaf leopard. You have a drummer with one arm. Right. Can I apply? She makes for- love. She's looking at her watch. It's <laughs> if it's with you, right. can I apply for a make love exemption? Go on. <laughs> I'd like to at least offer the candidate when love comes to town by you two and BB uh, King. Do they say make love? Used to make love under a red sunset. I was making promises I would soon forget. <sighs> Maybe. I mean, come on, it is BB, and yeah. she was as pale the as the edge. lace of her wedding gown, but I did what I did before okay. love Okay, I'll give you that. Down. I'll give you that. And look, there are plenty of exceptions, I'm sure, and I'm sure I'm missing a ton. These are the ones that Boy, hit me. Boy, that's great. All right, there is making love talk. Love it. <laughs> uh, what are we doing? Uh, NBA. Ah, we yes. got a Mavs game. Oh, boy. 